0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. We are going to talk in a moment about Georgia not exactly being all that impressed with being ranked number two last night by the College Football Playoff Selection Committee. We're going to get there here in a little bit. But I want to build to that by saying this that just because Georgia doesn't seem to be all that interested, one way or another, in its CFP ranking, does not mean that Georgia doesn't have the goal of winning a championship on its mind, or perhaps a stronger word than gold. Do you remember what Kirby said at the end of the Florida game in his post game press conference going back to a Saturday? talking about the idea of being on a mission. We uh use that word, I guess it was on Monday show, I guess. The fact that Georgia is on a mission here. Uh maybe it was yesterday. These days sort of run together here a little bit. But Georgia's on a mission. Now the way we describe that mission is go for three and twenty three, but ultimately however you describe it the goal here when the season is done is to win a third straight national championship and stay on the course in order to be able to do that. Now, the next phase of all that kind of begins on Saturday with Missouri. Now, we have had this stretch of games circled for a long time. We sort of knew that this was a weird schedule for Georgia. There wasn't the big fun non-conference game to kick off the season. There wasn't really a lot going on in September and October. Georgia didn't have the trip to Oklahoma that it was supposed to have. That There was going to be kind of some relatively barren weekends of not much going on as it relates to Georgia not really a part of the big conversation but eventually we'd get there and eventually we'd get to games that matter for UGA well we are here in that stretch now it kicked off last Saturday against Florida and obviously you loved everything about that a it's a rivalry win there's always some value in that anybody who understands dog nation understands how important that is for UGA fans how important that is for UGA coaches and players and you savor that but in addition to that simultaneous to that there was also the little bit of foreshadowing of okay this is what Georgia can look like as it moves into the sort of championship phase of its uh, of its season if you like boxing Sometimes the boxing comment uh, commentators will call like the final rounds, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth round. Those final rounds, they call them the championship rounds. That's the rounds where the winner of the fight really is proven. That's the that's the round which the the guy who's going to walk away with the title belt. That's when he really shows what he's all about. We're sort of entering into the championship rounds for Georgia's 2023 season. And one of the things that made the Florida game so fun and so valuable was it was a demonstration of how ready, perhaps, Georgia is for these championship rounds that are about to curve for uh, for the for the big stretch of games coming up we're going to find out one way or another how good Georgia actually is Georgia showed you on Saturday this is how good it can be as it moves through those games now bigger test for Georgia on Saturday because the team that it's playing Missouri we would believe is better than any team it's played thus far this season the ranking certainly proves that ranked number 12 in the college football playoff rankings last night the results only lost one time would seem to prove that too And as you look ahead to Georgia, Missouri, which kind of comes almost exactly a year after the big showdown last year at home against Tennessee, you're reminded of the way in which that loud crowd, that incredible environment, that unbelievable atmosphere created this scenario that proved that Georgia really would be a team capable of winning its second straight national championship. I told you yesterday on the show. I'm kind of nostalgic for that. I I I enjoyed that so much. Arguably, that might be the single most fun week of the Kirby Smart era. This idea that Georgia had a point to prove, but many of us who were Georgia fans had the confidence that Georgia could go out there and prove that. Uh, the environment was incredible. The performance was outstanding. And Georgia really cemented itself as the number one team in the country. And the following weeks were just simply further validation of what we learned on that first Saturday in November. So, on this particular Saturday, there's a chance to do something somewhat similar. Missouri is not the kind of heritage rival that Tennessee might be, nor is it necessarily the sort of team that um – that, that you would expect to be a big stumbling block a big obstacle for Georgia but the truth is you know last year this Tennessee team that had the number one ranking when they came in as we talked to Connor Riley about yesterday ultimately they finished 11-2 and two on the year and 6-2 and two in the league that kind of mark is still very much out there for this Missouri team too so don't underrate what Missouri has the chance to do on Saturday and certainly for Georgia fans use the ranking and the impressive play of Missouri thus far this year to motivate you to come out and create the most raucous environment possible as the Tigers get ready to come in, which sort of leads us to something that Kirby Smart talked about when he met with the media last night. I find this to be really interesting. I like simple stuff when it can be, right? I don't want to oversimplify things, but also I want to really work very hard to avoid needlessly complicating things as well. And last night, Kirby Smart talked about the idea of, you know, what kind of proves a championship team. One of the things that championship teams at Georgia always seem to have in common. And as I started the show by saying, while Georgia's not all that interested in its CFP ranking here right now, it is still very much on mission to go for three and 23 and win a third straight national championship. That's obviously the stated goal for this program. And on Saturday against Missouri, Georgia has another opportunity, much like it did last year against Tennessee, to sort of prove its championship medal. And Kirby Smart talked about that. This is a team that's won a lot at home here recently. Long winning streak there and really a nice level of dominance for most of the Kirby Smart era when it comes to playing between the uh, hedges there in Sanford Stadium. And so Smart was asked on Saturday, you know, what is the secret to all of that? How is it that, that Georgia has found so much success at home? Feeding off the fans or perhaps more than that? And this is where Kirby Smart laid it out in very simple terms about what Georgia needs to do in order to stay on the path to win another championship this season. Pretty simple, pretty straightforward, very enjoyable for UGA fans. Kirby's mark from last night
1: it's a collective effort right I mean it's like hey we, we, we all chip in on this we practice hard we, we, we beat the hell out of each other out there at practice and and uh, and we, we want to put a good uh, product on the field we want to defend our turf we feel like the championship teams at Georgia have have not lost at home and so you better not lose at home if you want to be a championship program um, and we have a you know a wall that kind of says that like you better not lose at home if you want to do something special. And um, the atmosphere is helpful, that. Um, but, you know, sometimes sometimes you know teams come in and, and play well, and you have to rise to the occasion to play against them.
0: So, my response to Kirby Smart there is for all of us to understand that I don't believe that's just like empty rhetoric. You know, this idea of, hey, we want to defend our turf. You know, uh, what was the old Under Armour commercial? We want to protect this house, right? I think this goes beyond just some sort of meaningless platitude or empty rhetoric. I think there's something really tangibly true about this and the one thing that we see is is that college football is very hard winning a national championship is very hard there are going to be some moments in a season in which things are just difficult like take last year for Georgia Georgia in 2022 is one of the all-time outliers in terms of winning a national championship because most of what Georgia did last season actually looked pretty easy easy win in the sec championship easy win in the national championship easy performances for most of the regular season but even for a georgia team in 2022 that made it look far easier than it normally is in terms of marching towards a national championship georgia still found two saturdays in which it was in a fight for its life on the road at missouri peach bowl against ohio state even in a season like last year for georgia that was mostly roller skating towards the ultimate goal There were still two moments in which, hey, it got really, really hard, really, really fast, and Georgia was in a fight for its life in order to be able to to emerge victorious and stay on path towards a national championship. That's just the way the college football is. There are some moments in any season, even for all-time great teams, there are some moments in any season that are just Going to be hard. So you better find some easy stuff so that you've got enough reserve in the tanks when you're called upon to do something hard. And that's what your home games ought to provide. When Kirby Smart says, hey, uh, our championship teams around here have a habit of winning their games at home. Well, Why is that? It's not just a coincidence. It's making things that should be a little easier, as easy as they should be. Therefore, you are energized, rested, and ready for what's hard later on. And for Georgia, the hard thing this year is perhaps going on the road to Tennessee in a couple of weeks or SEC championship, maybe a, another big-time showdown against Alabama or whatever else. You've got hard moments coming, so can you make it look easy right now? Can you kind of go out and dominate it at home the way you're supposed to? This is where Georgia fans, to their credit, have certainly aided Georgia in this regard. And Kirby Smart is never shy about giving Georgia fans their credit there for that. So Saturday is another opportunity for this. And I can't wait for it. I mean, I've been nostalgic all week thinking about what this time a year ago felt like. And I believe in some form or fashion, it's going to feel like this again on Saturday there as well. That Georgia seems to have kind of found another gear. And staying in that gear in front of a friendly crowd on Saturday at home and the georgia fans propelling georgia to even better performance it's a chance for uga to remind folks just how good they are it's a chance for georgia to demonstrate to itself how good that it can be on the march towards a championship on mission to go for three and 23 take some easy steps along the way and getting a win at home being propelled by a raucous crowd that could be the next step for georgia there in that regard okay let me shift gears and talk about something completely different here just for a moment last night the CFP top 25 came out Georgia was not number one now, I told you yesterday to give you an idea of how wrong I can be sometimes I said that I believe that Georgia would either be number one or like number three I did not think they'd be number two well as it turns out Georgia exactly was number two so uh, that gives you an idea of how how <laughs> how incorrect my opinions can be from time to time keeps me humble which is always a, a valuable thing but nonetheless it's Ohio State at one last night, it's Georgia at two, Georgia ahead of Michigan at three, and then Florida State coming in at number four, which is also a little bit of a surprise for me. I thought that Washington, on the basis of the win against Oregon, might get the nod over Florida State. I, thought, I think that right now, Washington probably has the second best win of any team in America. Ohio State gets the number one ranking because they've got the best tandem of wins right now. But I believe that uh, Washington's got the second best win beating Oregon because of how Oregon's playing here at the moment. I'd give Texas its win on the road to Alabama sort of best win status right now. But I'm a little bit surprised, even though Washington's actually struggled the last couple of weeks, still on the basis of just that resume point, winning against Oregon, a very good team. I think that's right now better than anything that Florida State's possibly done here thus far this year. But nonetheless, those are the kinds of rankings. And Georgia comes in at number uh, two there in that spot. And it was very interesting watching how many Georgia fans sort of had the same overall reaction to Georgia's response being ranked number two. That a lot of Georgia fans were even sharing this. That, you know, Ohio State put out on its social media that it was ranked number one. Michigan put out its playoff ranking on its social media. Florida State kind of does the same thing. But what did Georgia put out on its social media yesterday? Nothing about the CFP whatsoever. In fact, let me show you the tweet from Georgia. All they were putting out was the idea of it being bloody Tuesday and the dogs working hard at practice and getting physical and getting tough knowing it's got a big game coming up on Saturday against Missouri. A lot of Georgia fans remarked about just how different the response was from Georgia compared to the rest of the would-be national championship contenders right now and obviously i noticed that too and i think that's just as interesting as almost ever the georgia fan does and i think it's probably interesting for two reasons reason number one is this so we talked throughout the week about the celebration from georgia after beating florida this is a team that likes to celebrate when it has something to celebrate kirby smart dancing in the locker room you know players jumping up into the stands there is a celebration to be had around georgia along the way to winning a championship as kirby smart said yesterday if you're not going to do that otherwise what's the point if you're not enjoying this what's the point but what you see by the lack of response to a cfp ranking last night is is that georgia only does it celebrating after things it doesn't do it celebrating before things and frankly if georgia was a little bit different level program if it was a program that has not achieved as much as it's achieved or perhaps for as many years as it has aspired to greatness then being ranked number two in the CFP rankings is probably a pretty big deal. I remember the very first CFP rankings that ever came out, Mississippi State was ranked number one in those rankings. That's a kind of an odd trivia answer, but it is true. Mississippi State was the first team to ever be ranked number one by the College Football Playoff Selection Committee. My guess is when they got that ranking, they were shouting it from the rooftops. Hey, everybody, come look. Look where we're ranked in the CFP committee. And if Georgia was a little bit different program, if it was a little bit more like Mississippi State, my guess is it probably would do the same thing but Georgia's obviously not like that. And Georgia also demonstrates it's not like any other team that competes for a championship. Any other team that just thinks it's kind of cool to be in the mix. Georgia is so far beyond just thinking it's cool to be in the mix that that difference is the kind of thing that creates the distinction that's allowed Georgia to be as successful as it's been. And the other point here on all this is, The fact that Georgia, once again, is sort of celebrating the idea of Bloody Tuesday. The fact that Georgia beats you because it takes talented players, develops them, makes them tougher, both mentally and physically. When you go out there on Saturday, uh, you realize that you are facing a team that has prepared for this moment, and they've prepared for this moment harder and more uh, uh, intensely than, than you were willing to do so. That's been kind of the story here for Georgia. And the cool part about this is you can't copy that. It, that is not an easy thing to replicate. And there is no secret sign to be stolen when it comes to that. You know, Kirby Smart's famous line a couple of weeks ago when they played, uh, or like, I guess it would have been last week, when they played Michigan, he's like, best I could tell, they didn't have our signs. That's because there is no secret to be stolen from Georgia. They put it out on social media on a Tuesday exactly what they're all about. They're about getting bloody and getting after it at practice. That's the secret sauce. That's the recipe. They're not impressed with their CFP ranking right now. They only want to be number one at the end of the year. So as you move forward into a time in which the Michigans and the Ohio States, and the Florida States, perhaps the Washingtons, maybe Alabama again, when they're looking to compete with Georgia for this national championship here this year... They should know that Georgia's letting you know right now exactly what their path towards this competition is going to be. It's going to be working as hard at practice as they can be, taking care of business here at home, going on the road against Tennessee in November, setting up for an SEC championship after that, just as much on mission as it ever was. It's a fun time of year. I like the CFP rankings. I think it's fun when they come out, even if they're somewhat silly here sometimes. And You can feel the vibe shift when you get to November. It's a little colder outside right now. It feels like football is here. And certainly for Georgia, the weeks that determine how this season will conclude, they're about to take shape. And based on the social media behavior, the words from Kirby Smart, and the level of play this past Saturday against Florida, you certainly get the indication that Georgia is more than ready for what's coming next. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are presented today by Breda Pest Management, and we're happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us. Live on video, 945, 1st and 15, dognation.com, the Dog Nation app. After that, 10 a.m. across all video platforms. We're on the radio with our friends in Athens on Athens Sports Radio 960, the Ralph, all the podcast platforms there as well. We are just so happy that you are a part of our program here today. And a big thanks to our friends at Breda Pest Management who make it all possible you know we just heard from Kirby Smart saying it's very important that Georgia defends its turf on Saturday Kirby Smart just said that well guess what the organization helping UGA defend itself as well is our friends at Breda Pest Management because they are the official pest control provider of ug athletics much the same way the georgia defense trying to keep missouri out of the end zone and the same way that georgia is trying to keep those missouri fans from coming in and have any reason to be happy and celebrate on saturday breda pest management is also keeping bugs and critters especially termites out of the uh building there as well all those ug athletic facilities that's exactly what breda pest management is all about because on a you know level piece of ground the size of that football field there's room for a million termites same thing true for your home there as well by the way And so, when you think about how much important it is to keep the termites away from the athletic facilities there at UGA and all the stuff like that, the same thing is true for your home there, too. You want the same kind of home field advantage that George enjoys. And that's why you ought to choose Breda Pest Management as your own official pest control provider. Because the good news is, not only are you supporting a company that's also been great supporters of UGA, and our buddy Matt Breda, big dog fan, big sports fan in general, loves the brave, things like that. Not only are you supporting a good company that's fun to do business with, but you're also going to support and be supported by a company that's been in business since 1975, got 125 employees, and that heritage and history of success allows them to leverage that strength for your benefit by putting more money back in your pocket just for making the switch. So put more money back in your pocket. Right now, that's one of the most important things anybody can do. Find a way to save money. Uh, keep some of that hard-earned money that's exactly what Breda Pest Manager is going to provide for you so please find them online Bradapest.com. let me spell it for you it's B-R-E-D-A BredaPest.com one more time that's B-R-E-D-A BredaPest.com the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics and a big part of Dog Nation Daily here today all right we're going to get Mike Griffith here in a moment uh, we'll talk to him about Georgia being ranked number two by the CFP committee last night also before we're done today it's Jake Fromm the former Georgia quarterback we'll get into uh, the performance for Georgia against Florida what we learned about that and really kind of the cool way in which Georgia's sort of setting up for this stretch run that's on the way Jake's gonna give you a whole bunch of stuff on that coming up here in just a little bit prior to that I'm gonna go around the doghouse and around the doghouse today is poured by our friends at Dr. Pepper which is always a fun thing for me because y'all know how much I love Dr. Pepper and Let me tell you what else I love here for a moment. So, we are about to see one way or another a very tired argument against Georgia put to bed. You got Heather, what's your face on ESPN, or anybody else that, uh, you know, kind of wants to argue, what about the schedule? You know, the Georgia schedule. You know, they hadn't played nobody. And, you know, uh, I know they won the last two national championships, but they hadn't played nobody. And, you know, somehow that's kind of the thing that gets thrown up in Georgia's face over and over and over again. Well, I've got good news for you here right now. That argument is about to be put to bed forever, and it probably is going to also demonstrate why it wasn't all that legitimate and authentic to even have that discussion to begin with, because college football has a way of just sort of providing – you know kind of more clarity as the season rolls on you know at one point in time september october it sort of seemed like you know nothing was very interesting with the georgia schedule but we always pointed to some of these games in november and we always said hey some of these games have a chance to be more interesting when they're played than they appear to be right now and the first release of the college football playoff top 25 that is what that proves and to me The single most interesting thing about the CFP rankings from last night is not where Georgia was ranked or any of the Georgia championship contenders were ranked, Uh, the teams that kind of fighting with Georgia to be uh, the best in the country. The most interesting thing for me is where the future Georgia opponents were ranked on that first CFP ranking. For instance, Ole Miss coming in at number 10. Ole Miss is going to have to work to stay there, but they're at number 10 right now. Missouri, the opponent for Georgia on Saturday, they come in at number 12. You know, know, number two versus number 12 makes for a pretty big game in Athens there on Saturday. Missouri, justifiably, looking at a pretty high ranking here right now. Tennessee comes in at number 17. Uh, Once again, that's a pretty interesting ranking. So for a Georgia team that supposedly ain't played nobody and – you know has you know the weakest softest schedule of any team in the history of college football or whatever other nonsense you've had you know you know spit at you on television over the course of the next three weeks georgia's about to play number 12 number 10 and number 17 at least based on what the rankings look like here right now and the good news from that is not what it means for georgia and its ultimate resume but the fact that all these people who've tried to like contrive this argument against georgia they'll finally just have nothing left to say right because these rankings sort of prove that anyone who's tried to manufacture this criticism of UGA, they're about to run out of ammunition to do that. And it's not just me who's saying that. They were even saying this on ESPN television last night. Greg McElroy, the ESPN analyst, was talking about this there too, that Georgia now sets up to have the kind of ranked opponents moving forward that's going to eliminate any opportunity for doubt of Georgia as long as it keeps winning these games. This is what McElroy said last night on ESPN about that.
2: Georgia's has a gauntlet coming up. I yeah. mean, if you look at what they have coming up this week in Missouri, Missouri's real. And I, yeah. I know they're not the traditional blue blood brand, and people have kind of slowly gotten on board with them being okay. They're real. They have a good quarterback. They have explosive playmakers. And you got Ole Miss. And then you have a road trip to Tennessee. We kind of looked at Notre Dame a couple of weeks ago. It's like at the end of the run, it's like, man, they're out of gas and they lost to Louisville. Could that potentially happen to Georgia? Because if they get through this gauntlet unscathed, I'd be shocked if by week 12, when they're teeing it up against Georgia Tech, if they're not sitting atop the rankings.
0: So two things about that really quick. Thing number one, as McElroy sort of alludes to, Georgia still has to win these games. And I think there still is a need to go out and prove yourself by winning them. And I think a lot of us would say, well, based on the way that Georgia played against Florida and based on the way that Georgia played against Kentucky, Georgia shows it still has that championship gear that it can get to. But over the course of the next three weeks, it not only has to get to it, it, has to sort of go there and stay there. So there is still a challenge for Georgia to win its next three games. And I'm not going to pretend that this is some sort of, you know, cakewalk here. Georgia's got a lot to prove in a pretty tr- challenging stretch. That's true. But if it does win these games, at that point, there'll be really nothing left that can be said about Georgia. And ultimately, Georgia doesn't need the resume points. Georgia doesn't need the style points. Georgia has proven enough by simply winning the last two national championships but there is a certainly certain quality of life discussion here of Georgia fans who get kind of annoyed when people try to find some way to nitpick or some way to kind of you know poke holes in 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 Georgia to try to like build up some other team to sort of make the end of season results seem and feel less predetermined for the Georgia fans who kind of who get sort of annoyed by that you may not have that to worry about much more because of what McElroy says hey Look at how the next three weeks shape up for Georgia. That was the single most interesting thing to me about the CFP rankings from last night. The future Georgia opponents were shown some respect, which means that Georgia and its resume and what supposedly been lacking, as long as it keeps winning, uh, Georgia will prove during the regular season just how good it really is. And by the way, a regular season schedule for Georgia that was very, very, very much uh, criticized. All of a sudden, when it's all said and done, it's actually... A little bit more substantial than it was ever given credit for. We'll make that around the doghouse, poured today by our friends at Dr. Pepper. And I love the college football conversation. I can't wait for another college football game day weekend here coming up. And I love the fact that one of my favorite things in the world, truly one of my most enjoyable things, uh, Dr. Pepper, when the show is done every day, I'm racing to get uh, my Dr. Pepper and enjoy that and kind of recharge my batteries a little bit and just enjoy a special treat during the middle of the day. Uh, I love the fact that Dr. Pepper loves college football so much and is so connected to college football. It is the one that fans deserve. And so if you haven't, you know, been enjoying it here this season. I think you probably should. Uh stop by your local Kroger, pick some up. I like the Diet Dr. Pepper, the Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. Uh listen, every now and then I'll do the splurge and get the real deal too. I had so, uh when was it? On Sunday for lunch, I had like the real deal, like original Doctor Pepper. And I gotta tell you it was very very good uh a lot of you've also tried the dr pepper strawberries and cream uh that's a lot of fun for you there as well just enjoy some it's the one fans deserve the rich flavorful one one of a kind taste of dr pepper make sure you enjoy that today it's good to have dr pepper with us as a part of around the doghouse here today all right so before we are done on our show a really, really good conversation with Jake from the former Georgia quarterback. We'll get to that. Also, more controversy kind of erupting out of Michigan here right now. We'll cover some of that. And uh, we'll also do a little bit to preview the other big SEC game on tap for this weekend, too. So we're busy here in our final few minutes. It continues right now with a Georgia Farm Bureau insider update, previewing Georgia-Missouri. Looking back on last night, let's bring Mike Griffith onto the program here today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Mike Griffith joins us here now. Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update. We'll get to the Georgia-Missouri game here coming up in a moment. But, Mike, prior to that, I kind of alluded to this a little earlier. I, I know that, you know, clearly Georgia's going to ignore the CFP rankings. We understand why they would. Some fans are a little bit cynical about this there as well for, I think, fairly obvious reasons, too. There's not a lot of logic week to that the committee uses. This is kind of a made-for-TV type event. And yet, nonetheless, even with all that said, I am still kind of a fan of the CFP Top 25. I like the debate. I like looking at it. I I enjoy talking about college football, and the, the CFP rankings are a little bit of a conversation starter. So when they start coming out, I always kind of enjoy that. And so, you know, last night the rankings came out. Georgia was number two in the first rankings. Uh, I think a lot of us had some intuition they probably wouldn't be number one, and they weren't. Uh, But it's still kind of a fun conversation for me. What did you make of the first release last night?
1: I was impressed. I I really was. I was one of those people that thought that Georgia's schedule would would sink the dogs to three and four. I've been critical of the college football playoff committee, um, hiding behind metrics, being fooled by numbers. Uh, And I was on that call with Boo Kerrigan last night and Bill Hancock on behalf of Dog Nation, and I was able to ask that question directly about ranking Georgia ahead of these other teams who have stronger schedule strengths, and why did they do that? And they were very impressed by the wins over Kentucky and Florida. And I also liked it when Boo Kerrigan said that having former coaches on the staff has really helped them, Brandon. You know, it's not just random people looking at, you know, numbers that never played the game. It's coaches that can say, oh, no, no, look. Um, when Georgia's needed to respond, they've responded. I, and that, that's added some validity to me, that they've added former coaches on that committee. I liked it that Kerrigan was transparent enough to say this is why. And, and he knew there'd be criticisms. He knew there'd be other programs that would say, hey, Georgia hasn't played anybody. How can you rank him ahead based on the eyeball test? Well, I'm glad they did, because I think that takes stones. And we didn't see that happen in 2018, 2018. Georgia got jobbed out of that last spot. They were better than that Oklahoma team that got in ahead of them, but they refer to protocol. Right. And, uh, Alabama got in on 2017 by the eyeball test. Um, and I was upset. I I still think Georgia got robbed. I'll always think that, you know, and I look at the Georgia tech AD and the Florida AD and the Oklahoma AD being on that committee and sinking the dogs, but now, um, last night, uh, they answered my question thoroughly. And, um, Look, I'm still not thrilled with the whole process, but of uh, the committees that I've I've heard from, last night's made the most sense when they were discussing the
0: rankings. I'll also say I thought the single most interesting thing that happened last night was not where Georgia was ranked or any of the teams competing with Georgia were ranked because ultimately that's still going to sor- sort itself out. I thought the most interesting thing was where future Georgia opponents were ranked. The team that's coming in this Saturday at number twelve, Ole Miss, next yep. week at number ten. Tennessee, the road game coming in at number 17. You know, for a lot of people who have been like, oh, lackluster Georgia schedule, either because of the absence of resume points or just fans who want big games well guess what this next month is going to provide them two great games at home a heritage rivalry fun road trip for the last time in the sec east to kind of conclude the run in the sec here this year for a lot of people who've been sort of waiting for the georgia schedule to kind of kick into gear well it's about to kick into gear and the cfp committee did a great job of previewing that i thought last night
1: yeah, I agree, and you know the, the Georgia schedule will take care of itself. That, that you know that should be the last thing Georgia fans are worried about. I, I don't think they are. You know, I think I think Kirby Smart has conditioned and, and trained everybody to say, look, guys, it doesn't matter, right now. You know, you you look ahead, and you know that you can start spinning different ideas. Well, what if Georgia loses in the SEC championship game, or what if Georgia has one loss? Yeah, you know, I, I just I don't think you can think that way or worry about that because there's way too much football left to be played. Um, These unbeaten teams, you know, some of them will fall by the wayside. I mean, Washington will likely have to play Oregon again. They have to play USC this weekend. They could easily lose one of those games. Um, You know, even though the ACC is is starting to kind of falter a little bit, you know, FSU, you know, who knows, maybe they slip up again. Ohio State and Michigan, uh, listen, I don't think Ohio State looks nearly as good as they did a year ago with C.J. Stroud, nearly as good. And yet, you know what? They do deserve to be number one, because they, on paper, they do have the better wins. They did win at Notre Dame, and they did beat Penn State. Now, that's not Georgia's fault that they didn't get to play these teams, but if we're being objective about it, on paper, uh, Ohio State probably deserves number one. Do I think they would beat Georgia head-to-head? Uh, debatable. debatable. Um, I think I'd probably take Georgia. But I think Georgia at number two is very fair, I think it's fine. I don't think it's disrespectful. I think it's respectful. I think it's – but like you said, Brandon, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. The dogs are number one in the polls. They're they're the kings until somebody beats them. And um, and they've got the right mentality. They they don't care about these rankings. They care about what they need to do to beat a Missouri team that, frankly, has some of the characteristics we've seen in Georgia teams in the past. This is – I'm going to tell you – I think this is a, I think this might be the scariest game left on the regular season schedule.
0: Yeah, let's talk about Missouri here for a moment and I want to begin it this way. To me, one of the themes for college football this year my mind is a handful of quarterbacks that I thought were really vulnerable at the beginning of the season to lose their job have actually played much better than I ever would have thought like Jaden Daniels is a for instance on that I thought that Daniels might get overtaken by Garrett Nussmeyer as it turns out Daniels I believe has been the best quarterback in the SEC uh you know Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma was a guy that I thought might get passed by by uh, a young up-and-comer like Jackson Arnold the truth is until last week you know Dylan Gabriel had been having you know a really really good season and another quarterback that I sort of put in that category is Brady Cook from, uh, from Missouri. You know, I, I'm a fan. I care about what fans think. A lot of Missouri fans last year were really unhappy with Cook, and I took that pretty seriously. I thought either Sam Horn, the uh, young man from, uh, from Collins Hill, or, or the transfer Jay Garcia – I just thought that Cook was likely to lose out his job to one of those two guys. But the truth is, he's held on to the job. He's never looked back. He's had a tremendous season. You know, what do you make of the fact that Cook this year, I believe, is far better than he was a year ago, shown a level of improvement, frankly, that I didn't think was quite possible for him. What do you make of what Cook has been able to do for Missouri thus far this year?
1: You know, Brandon, he's kind of their Stephon Bennett. You know, I mean, Eli Drinkwood said that he made Cook compete for his job in fall camp. And then he made him, you know, compete for the job in the first game. He actually, Cook actually got booed before he went on the field of Kansas State. You know, shades of Stetson Bennett getting booed before the UAB game. Um, and yet the, all this kid's done is win and, and keep going. Now, I don't, he's, he's a dual threat. I, I don't know that I think his running is quite as good as, as Stetson's was. I thought Stetson's runs were very timely. And um, I really appreciate his playmaking skills in critical junctures. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think maybe Stetson threw the ball. Oh, I know he didn't throw the ball as well as Carson does. Carson is an NFL golden arm. But, but Stetson was a playmaker. Cook has that, he has that You know, tenacity about him. And, and, you know, when you've got a quarterback with that sort of tenacity, you know, they got a running back that, that was a former walk-on from a Division II school, the second in the league in rushing. I mean, it, this is a team that really does eat off the floor. Missouri eats off the floor. They're hungry. Um, you know, they come into Sanford Stadium with confidence, which not a lot of teams can do. But, look, they know they had the dogs on the ropes last year. They've got a quarterback, excuse me, they got a coach who's, you know, has, has been a part of some good coaching staffs and, and has done some good things. I mean, he was on the Auburn staff, you know, that, that beat Alabama. Um, you know, he's kind of he was Gus Melvin's guy for a while. Um, he speaks a different language than, than the Saban-esque that we hear across the SEC. Uh, they got a good defensive front that can get to quarterbacks. I mean, Missouri is, is that knuckleball, that curveball out of the bullpen, and, and Kirby has always given Missouri their props. Like, this is a team that always you can tell. just It makes them a little uneasy. Now, if Georgia takes care of business, they should absolutely win this game by two or three touchdowns, right? Um, and I don't have any reason to believe they won't after that Florida win. But you've got to know, and I think you do, you were there in Missouri last year, that there is a capable team on the other side of the ball and a confident team on the other side of
0: the ball. I would also say this. I believe that Luther Burden, the Missouri wide receiver, is probably the best player that Georgia will face during the regular season. He has been phenomenal this year. I think you put him in the Marvin Harrison Jr. category, you know, category like I would put Brock Bowers in when Bowers is healthy, of those sort of pass catching targets that truly change games. You know, he had one kind of dudish game this year. Other than that, he's been Pretty close to a sure thing. I think this is the best individual player that Georgia certainly has faced this season, and I believe will face at least during this regular season.
1: Yeah, Kirby compares him to a running back, you know, and and they're doing more with him this year. They got a new coordinator, uh, another Kirby, by the way, who Kirby noted that he likes his name, who's done a lot of good things with Luther Burden. So they've got some twists uh, from a year ago. They're not going to look the same, even though I think they return. The the most recent metrics that I saw, B.A., and I know you look at this stuff, too, on returning talent. In the springtime, I think Texas A&M was, was rated to have the most returning talent in the SEC. I think by July, I saw some metrics that Missouri had overtaken a and i A&M. I'm guessing, you know, with A&M's you know, losing so many guys to the portal. So, so this is a team that brought back a lot of talent and guys that, that were there and a part of it last year. Again... I want to be clear, I think Georgia will win this game, and I like the direction Georgia's headed. I think Georgia has leveled up. I think the bye week was was fantastic. I mean, this is, to me, the best boost I've seen in a bye week for Georgia, probably since 2018. You know, and I know you, were, you were there with me in Baton Rouge when, when uh, Joe Burrow and the Tigers, that was really, you know, I tell people that was really, you know, I've been covering the team since 2018, that was really the only game I felt Georgia was just thoroughly beat in every facet. From start to finish was that game at LSU. Joe Burrow and LSU was so good that day, so physical, dominated every aspect of the game. Poor Jake Fromm, there was nothing he could have done. And uh and and then they had that bye week, remember? And as the story goes, it was up to Fromm to get it done in the first half against Florida. They were going to make a change. Justin Fields mm-hmm. was ready to go, and Jake came out there and lit Florida up. And you know the rest. The rest is history. They lost a very close game to. Alabama in the SEC title game and I think wrongly got left out of the playoff but this year's team where we're at now and the way the team responded to that bye week um yeah I know Florida had an opening drive touchdown I I get it they give Florida credit you know they they drew it up well they schemed it up well but give Georgia more credit because Brandon the way they adjusted that coaching staff this coaching staff is so good I'm ready to say it it's the best coaching staff in football I've covered. These guys, and, and that's uh, that's a mouthful. I've covered a lot of Hall of Fame coaches, but these guys are so locked in, uh, and, and just have this innate understanding of their talent. And I just thought they did an unbelievable. I mean, they scored 36 points in a row. They just coached circles around Billy Napier. And now, Brandon, Florida has got to convince these recruits to stick with with Napier. They got to convince these boosters to keep giving money. They somehow got to convince them that what they saw, they didn't see and that this is still a program worth investing I think that I think Florida's got big problems ahead. I really do, because I think they're going to have a hard time holding this class and keeping that money flowing in if Napier gets outcoached again
0: and again. I want to talk to you about one more issue as it relates to Georgia. Let me remind folks, it's our Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update with Mike Griffith here today. And, of course, the uh, home state coming out to support the home team there on Saturday as the dogs get ready to take on 12th-ranked Missouri. And our friends at Georgia Farm Bureau are always the home team for you when it comes to your insurance needs, auto insurance, life insurance, home insurance. These are folks that are friendly and live right here in Georgia just like you do, doing the same kinds of stuff on a weekly and daily basis that you're doing there as well. They understand that you need your automobile to get to work every day and support your family. And so, therefore, the auto coverage that you have on that is important to you for those reasons. Or the the home that you live in, that's where you're making your memories. That's where you're building your life. And the insurance that protects that home, they understand how much that means to you. That's what they're all about. And that's what we mean when we say Georgia Farm Bureau is always the home team. So, please find them online at gfbinsurance.com. That's gfbinsurance.com to find out all the ways in which Georgia Farm Bureau can serve you for all of your insurance needs. One more time, it's GFB Insurance com Mike for as enjoyable as the Florida win was and I think for all of dog nation it was an incredibly enjoyable thing I think the single most interesting takeaway from me was the fact that I thought the Georgia defense kind of turned a corner and demonstrated a style of play kind of a playing personality that I think we all hope those of us who are UGA fans sort of stays in place the remainder of the year we saw this team be more dynamic off the edge Jalen Walker gets credit for that the i think the continued maturity and growth of like marvin jones jr and damon wilson get credit for that the presence of tyron ingram dawkins coming back from injury talk about a, a great sort of trade deadline style acquisition a guy like that coming back to health at exactly the right time but being more impactful off the edge, something that I really hope Georgia could be this year and now shows promise that it really can be, that to me is the most fun takeaway from the Florida game because that's the kind of defense that can travel the rest of this season against offensive-minded coaches, Eli Lane and Hypel against pretty formidable offenses, although you know in the case of Tennessee not quite what they were a year ago, you want to be impactful and dynamic on defense, and Georgia showed you on Saturday they can still be very, very similar from that in that standpoint to what they've been the last couple of years
1: yeah, I mean Tyrone Ingham Dawkins with the force I mean he only played nine snaps but boy he made it he made him Carol and, and I thought that was a really big play when he forced you know the first force fumble for Georgia. That they recovered all year long. I mean, that's just such an anomaly stat that they didn't recover a fumble for eight games. Um, here's the here's the question though. Here's the, here's my question of what's next. And I agree with you everything you just said. I thought that was a tremendous performance by the defensive front. You know, part of that to me was was Florida really doing a bad job and thinking they could pass protect and drop back against Georgia. I mean, they got sacked four times in the first half. It was just bad game. Billy Napier just you know he just and I can't say enough. But anyway the next team you play is going to get rid of the ball quick, right? So those edges, can they affect the play? They probably won't get the sacks because they're going to be, I think Cook gets rid of it 2.2, two point. I think he's the second fastest. Him and Carson Beck are the two fastest to get rid of it in the league, right? Beck's only been sacked, I think, five times this year. So they get rid of the ball really fast. But can you still affect it? Can you get the tip? Um, can your secondary make the break? Uh, I wonder, can your front, you know, those interior defensive linemen, can they get the push? You know, you, you think back so many games when Jalen Carter or, excuse me, Jordan Davis would get the push and collapse that pocket inside out. Can Georgia do that? That's what I think you need to see. And you need to see some playmaking in the secondary. You know, you know, Chris Smith is missed. Chris Smith made a lot of big yeah. plays back there. I think Bullard, I, 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 think he, I think he's lit up. You know, he said during the bye week that he felt healthy. You saw him got beat early in that game. He was a little late on one of those passes. Next time they threw it, he came up and just the bull put the horns to him. Kirby calls him the bull. He put the horns to him. More playmaking from Bullard. Uh, Defensive tackles continue to get that interior push. And, And you mentioned those young players. How exciting is it that those young guys are finally seeing the field? It's almost like Kirby... This roster management—he just knows how and when to bring these guys about. You compared it to free, free agent acquisitions; it's, it's the same effect. And um, and they're going to need it because it's a tough stretch run. But right now, I, I just—you know—outside of the Brock Bowers injury, which still to me is just horrible. Other, I mean, other than that, you know, this this team is in a really good spot with three games left. And Lad McConkey got back just in time.
0: Mike, good stuff. Thanks for being here as part of a Georgia Farm Beer Insider Update. We'll look forward to reading more from you at dognation.com, and we'll chat with you back here on our program again very soon there as well. All right. Thanks, Brandon. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, I mean, I just thought a lot of what you saw from the Georgia defense on Saturday is kind of what you've been waiting for. And, you know, the to me, the personality of this defense was always, I think, geared towards being – a little bit more impactful on the edge than it's been in the past and you got more of that on Saturday but you also got you know a smile and he's looking healthier right now than he's been Jamon Dumas Johnson for all the criticism he took from Georgia fans early in the year this was another pretty big game for a uh, JDJ as well or as they call him pop I don't know man I, it just really seems like this Georgia defense could be coming around at the right time the magic number for us was 13 now ultimately it would have been 13 if not for uh, florida taking advantage of a cheap garbage time score you know lay after everybody had stopped paying attention it would have still been 13 uh and i think it's on i think it's in play for georgia again on saturday too now not easy to do against missouri but i do believe it's in play to kind of keep that magic number of 13 georgia only allowed 13 to tennessee a year ago it's only averaging about 14 here right now for the season it's not unheard of in the next three games against pretty potent offenses all relatively highly ranked teams the Georgia defensively could do that again now let's go cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean and I want to talk to you about something I'm particularly excited about as it relates to Royal Caribbean here in 2024 it's the debut you've heard me talk about icon of the seas before but have you heard me talk about Utopia of the seas yet this is the newest and the Oasis class of ships which currently is the largest class of ships at sea and the latest and newest of the Oasis-class ship is going to debut in July of 2024. Now, what I love about this is is that there's always been like sort of two options, broadly speaking, when it comes to Royal Caribbean, especially for those of us who like to travel out of Florida, you know, you know, sail out of Florida and go down to Florida to sail. You can either take a seven-night cruise on a large Oasis-class ship, or you can take a shorter cruise perhaps over a long weekend maybe that fits your schedule better and if you did that the understanding was you were going to sail on a slightly smaller ship that that the smaller ships kind of took care of the shorter cruises and the larger oasis class ships were the seven night cruises and you took the seven night cruise so you could enjoy all of the things that the oasis class ships had to offer that's kind of been what the choices have been But now Royal Caribbean's introducing a brand new concept where they're going to offer large Oasis class ships for the shorter three and four night sailings. Our Dog Nation cruise in April is going to be on Allure of the Seas. That's an Oasis class ship. And in July, the newest of the Royal Caribbean ships, uh, Utopia of the Seas, is not only going to be an Oasis class ship sailing on the three and four night sailings it's going to be the newest of the new, the, the the newest ship in the fleet, specially built for these short three and four night sailings going out of Port Canaveral, which is an incredibly convenient thing for me, my family, and perhaps for you there as well. So Jessica Slater is a great travel agent. She has been specially selected for us by Royal Caribbean. And you can call her today, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. Jessica will tell you everything you need to know about making your great Royal Caribbean cruise vacation even better also you can email her if you want to jay slater at dreamvacations.com she's got you covered on all that so make sure you check her out today now let's get ready to go cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean here right now and i want to begin with this here for a moment so it appears that the connor stallions controversy at michigan is getting more intense yesterday we talked about The appearance of what looked to be Stallions on the Central Michigan sideline as Central Michigan was taking on what Michigan State, I believe it was. Um, and you know, it got mentioned, well, maybe that wasn't really him, maybe that wasn't true. The immediate aftermath of this rumor certainly does not throw water on the idea that wasn't Stallions. There was a quote from uh, Jim McElwain, who, by the way, is a former Michigan assistant, keep that in mind. Uh, There was a quote from Jim McElwain, the Central Michigan coach, about the person being on the sideline, and uh, McElwain actually calls him the sign-stealer guy, which is probably not exactly what Michigan wants Connor Stallions to be referred to as, but right now, Central Michigan cannot deny and cannot validate that it isn't Stallions, if you get my drift, which only adds more credence to the idea that it would have been him. Some of the internet sleuths and honestly it's like the message board and social media sleuths have been the heroes of all of this they've been the stars of all of this what the message board sleuths and the social media sleuths have kind of pointed out here is is that um you know uh central michigan's not a nike team they're an, i think an adidas team and so stallions being a you know a michigan guy had the nike shoes on but he had sort of obscured the nike logo so he could fit in better on the central michigan sideline you can't have the nike swoosh on the CMU sideline there i think this is heading towards eventually just sort of conceding the idea that not only was stallions traveling around buying tickets in other stadiums he was also at least in one instance on the sideline for a big 10 opponent which only blows this up bigger and bigger and bigger now last night the cfp committee said this is an issue for the NCAA it's not an issue for them so you know it only kind of validates the point we've made before which is i don't care if michigan's ultimately caught red handed on this and it seems like they're well on their way to do that michigan football is still going to be too big to fail it's going to be like kansas basketball or the houston astros or one of these things where obvious verifiable wrongdoing essentially goes unpunished that's what's going to happen here but uh, nonetheless people are going to still chase this wherever it goes and it keeps going to some pretty dark places for michigan here right now i'll also briefly mention this so Deion Sanders alleges that his Colorado team, which lost again, by the way, on Saturday and in unimpressive fashion, to UCLA had some stuff stolen out of their locker room uh, there in Pasadena. And he's calling on the Rose Bowl to like make the Colorado players good on the stuff they had stolen. I think the line from Dion is uh, they call this the granddaddy of them all. I'm sure granddaddy's got some money. Is basically what he said there as it relates to that, which, listen, if I had something stolen, I'd be mad about it, too. What I find to be weird about this is, didn't Dion make this same claim last year at Jackson State that he himself had gotten something stolen from him, stolen out of his coach's office during the game? And now we're making the same claim again later on about his players there at Colorado. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm just saying that I find myself to be generally speaking fairly pro Dion. I think he's an interesting figure. He certainly made the month of September pretty fun around college football back when people thought Colorado might still be relevant. Uh, You know, he's you know he's interesting. Interesting guy, right? But I think there's an element to which it's okay to make a reality TV show about a coach, but you got to be careful that you don't hire a coach who sort of sees himself as a reality TV star because this whole thing of, oh my gosh, they stole something out of our locker room for the second year in a row, that just sort of feels very like reality TV ish more so than like nuts and bolts football coach ish. And that's one of those things that Dion has got to try to figure out here is. There is only so much drama that people want from a football coach. You know, being dramatic and being entertaining, well, that's clearly part of the job. Uh, it draws attention to your program. But there's a level in which the drama just gets taken too far. And if the players got something stolen from them, I'm really sorry about that. But, you know, this idea that there's always some sort of something other than just football going on with Dion. That's one of those things, that if you really want to stick around for the long haul and be a very successful coach beyond just having a very good son at quarterback, if you want to have a long staying power as a coach, you can't be quite so dramatic. You just can't. That's just the bottom line. That's how it goes. I'll also mention this real quick. We'll probably end up getting more into this tomorrow. I'm really excited about the Alabama LSU game. And I think some of you know that I've mentioned this yesterday. I've been kind of wrestling with what my ultimate Prediction is on this game, what my ultimate p- uh, opinion is on this game. Obviously, a lot of us have kind of run from some of our LSU picks to begin the season because LSU, as it turns out, is just really bad defensively. But, like, the more we kind of look at this game, I guess the more I'm starting to wonder okay, does Alabama have the offensive firepower to keep pace with LSU? It seems like the answer to that question is probably no. So then the next question becomes okay, well, is Tommy Reese then the kind of coach? or nick saban as the head coach here right now is this the kind of coaching staff right now that can create the kind of pace of game in which they want because that's ultimately this comes down to if this game has a lot of possessions a lot of points then lsu probably wins easily because alabama cannot keep pace with uh with lsu um but if alabama can control the pace of the game then all of a sudden, that just means less of Jane Daniels. And the less of Daniels there is in this game, the more that gives Alabama a chance to win. Here's one thing I don't think you should lose sight of here. I think by perception right now, Alabama is thought to be a lot better than LSU because LSU's had some ugly performances. Alabama may have lost. But for the most part, they seem to have kind of of the ship. And yet at home on Saturday, they are a three-point favorite. What that's telling you is, is that the odds makers see on a neutral field, Alabama and LSU is essentially even teams. So if you don't have Alabama and LSU as even in your mind, the question to ask is, what is true about LSU that I don't currently realize? Because that might prove to be the difference in this game on Saturday. And we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And as promised on a Wednesday, a chance to now hear more about how Georgia got it done against Florida and where the program goes from here. We always enjoy this, a chance to hang out with the former Georgia quarterback, Jake Fromm, as a part of a Kroger Fresh Take. And here on Dog Nation Daily, time now for our Kroger Fresh Take. Welcome on the former Georgia quarterback, Jake Fromm, here to the program. Jake, thanks for your time. Hope you're doing well.
2: Brandon, as always, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here.
0: So, I got to ask you this: We're obviously recording this on Halloween Day, but the time folks hear this, it'll be after that. But uh, how big of a Halloween guy are you? Uh,
2: yeah, I'm. I'm pretty like low, kind of middle of the road. Um, not not a huge Halloween person. I definitely lean a lot more towards uh, Christmas, Thanksgiving, yeah. and Easter, and of course the great Fourth of July. <laughs> um but uh yeah it's pretty uh pretty low low on the totem pole for me personally
0: understandable uh well something i'm imagining was a lot higher on your list was the win for georgia this past saturday against florida it was obviously the kind of performance that i think a lot of us have been wanting to see from georgia you got it against kentucky but it certainly seems to mean a lot more when it comes against florida the way that it did what did you think about that win and just the overall level of dominance for uga there in that game yeah 100
2: uh good to see these guys coming off the bye uh, with a lot of confidence with some healthy bodies out there. Obviously with Lad McConkie, um, man, great to see him just, just really get into what he's capable of doing uh, as a playmaker uh, for the team. Um, you know, whoever wins the line of scrimmage wins this matchup, uh, and they won the line of scrimmage. Um, they ran the ball very effectively. Uh, they protected Carson, allowed him to have some time to uh, make some plays and make some throws, and um, they they uh, they handled that storm uh, that came with Florida um, at the beginning of the game. You know, they went right down and they scored. They had a great script of uh, you know early plays, and um, they made some adjustments and what scored what thirty six unanswered points. Yeah. So. Um, that's a very dominating performance, and uh, I know there's a lot of people happy with
0: it. So let me ask you about that, and obviously it ultimately doesn't matter because Georgia does just, you know, completely dominate after that opening drive, but you mentioned kind of like the play script portion of the game there. Like, what do you make about that, the fact that some of these teams to begin games have had success against Georgia there, you know, presumably, you know, using some of those, you know, scripted plays that they know they're going to run kind of no matter what. You know, what do you attribute that to? Is it just sort of randomness, or is there something to the idea that you know some of these you know coaching staffs are saying hey we've got a series of plays we believe that work and you know we have a chance to come down and get some points but then somehow Georgia makes an adjustment after that for those that of us that maybe don't quite you know know this as well as you do having you know done this on the field what do you make of the fact that Florida became the latest team to kind of have success against Georgia on an opening drive and then not really replicate that once presumably they kind of got out of this of the scripted phase of their offense?
2: Yeah, I mean, so what you're seeing on that first drive is a lot of the, uh, you know, fruit of the labor of the offensive coaching staff throughout the week. You know, they're scheming up. They're looking for a a certain look in a certain situation, uh, a certain check. Uh, When you motion over, you you go in to and from a bunch, um, you know, or or from a two-by-two to a three-by-one. And, you know, really trying to exploit some of the schematics um, that the Georgia defense has and then, you know, they do ultimately, and then Georgia goes to uh, the sideline, uh, they get the uh, pencil and paper out, and they yeah. make some adjustments, and, you know, they pretty much nip that in the bud for the rest of the game. So, you know, it's a, it, it, it's, it's good, you know, on, on both teams, you know, good for the opposing team. Like, hey, that that's what you're supposed to do. You did a great job of, of finding a little a little crease in there. Um, but then also, man, you got to give a big tip of your cap to the Georgia defensive team uh, coaching staff for being able to make some quick fixes and and, and get it taken care of.
0: And I'll tell you, what I love about this Georgia defense on Saturday, you know, when they play aggressive the way they were, and I, you know, I'm not, you know, going to try. I don't, I don't even know what I mean when I say that. I'm just, they're just getting after the quarterback, right? You know, there's tackles for loss. You've got, you know, guys flying off the edge. More of Damon Wilson. More of Marvin Jones Jr. You know, t- Tyron Ingram Dawkins returns from injury. He provided a nice spark. You know, that's the kind of, not just the result, winning a game handily, but also the style of play from Georgia. You know, Jake. Obviously, a lot of UGA fans have been really kind of craving that, and that's one of the other things that was really fun about Saturday. Was is that Georgia went out and kind of showed the teeth defensively that have seemed to be kind of the hallmark of these last two national championship teams? Wouldn't you agree?
2: Yeah, well, a hundred percent. You know, especially in the NFL, it's about protecting the quarterback and then getting after the quarterback yeah. on defense. So, you know, at, at the the highest level in college football, the SEC, um, you know, that's what it's about. Like, you know, Georgia, they were able to protect uh, Carson. And when they're able to do that, Carson throws for 300 yards and a couple touchdowns. And so, um, and if they can, if they can get to that next level of uh, consistently getting out to the quarterback on defense, man, it's, it's really making for a nice formula, uh, to make a run here late in the year.
0: Let me talk about a couple of things on offense here for a moment. You mentioned Ladd McConkie a little earlier, and it's just amazing to me that, you know, Georgia loses Brock Bowers. We all know how good Bowers is. You and I've talked about that plenty. And it just so happens that his first game out coincides with what seems to be a healthy return for Lad McConkie. McConkey's obviously played some here this season, but you probably saw more of him, and he certainly had his best game of the year there on Saturday. And Jake, if you told me that, you know, Brock Bowers, had he been healthy, would have played this game, you know, six catches, 100-something yards, and a touchdown. That sort of felt like, a, you know, a Bowers-like stat line. You know, Ladd McConkie essentially in returning gave you almost exactly the statistical performance the guy like Brock Bowers might would have been able to give you. GA. It really is a reminder that, you know, Bowers is among the very best players in college football. I believe that he is. In terms of his overall value, the explosive qualities that he gives to Georgia offense – I think it's fair to say that Ladd McConkey might not be too far behind. This is an incredibly valuable asset. And, boy, if you're a UGA fan, it really kind of gets your gears turning about what he might be able to provide Georgia the rest of the way here because he was clearly a valuable asset towards winning a national championship last season. And he reminded you on Saturday, this can be a guy that can really take the top off of a defense here, uh, really one of the fun parts of this past Saturday's game. Yeah,
2: I, look, man, I'm a big fan of Lad. I love Ladd McConkey. Great football player, just just gritty man. You're going to get everything out of him, um, and he's going to be where he needs to be. Um, he's going to execute, you know, correctly. He's going to be crisp at the top of routes. Uh, great body language in his routes. Um, you know, it's cliche to say, but um, it's just next man up mentality. Yep. Somebody's got to fill that void. Somebody has to um, attribute to. To to those yards, to to those kind of stats. And uh, it was Ladd this week, and I I assume it's going to be him a lot moving forward. But there's so many other Swiss Army knives in this offense. Um, You know, you got Dylan Bell, you got Rob Rye, you got Dominic Lovett. I mean, there's so many other guys, too, that are able to to have that kind of playmaking um, ability. Um, And I think it's just going to be on a week to week basis of of which matchup they want to exploit from an
0: offensive coaching staff perspective. Uh, and who they want to go after on defense. I don't know how much you had a chance to pay attention to this leading into last week, but one of the things I thought was very interesting about the game was is that Carson Beck's back playing in his hometown, and seemingly he didn't shy away from admitting that was a very big deal for him. In fact, you know, a couple of the Georgia players, Dominic Lovett in particular, comes to mind love said that Beck had gone to them and said hey this is a big deal we need to play well here I'm playing back in my hometown in front of my you know kind of hometown crowd here and really kind of leverage that as a way of leading the team as the quarterback and Jake I, I just found that to be really interesting that you know sometimes players it seem like don't want to acknowledge what truly matters to them because if you don't succeed well all of a sudden now you feel even worse maybe at least I I assume that might be the case a what did you make of the fact that Carson Beck had a very good game on Saturday and really kind of you know, reminded us of how good of a player he is, but also, B, kind of the open acknowledgement that, yeah, there was a little bit of a different feel going back and playing in Jacksonville for the first time and, you know, seeing, you know, himself as the Georgia starting quarterback back in front of his hometown crowd again. You know, Beck did not shy away from describing that as a pretty big deal. What did you make of that?
2: Yeah, um, well, you know, one, I thought he handled it very well. Um, you, You know, there was talk about it throughout the week. Um, how how was he going to handle it, and obviously he came out and had a fantastic uh, football game, played very clean, and, and operated very well as a quarterback, but two, you know, you didn't I didn't really know exactly how he went about handling it, and I really liked the idea of, like you said, of leveraging it onto the other guys, like just go ahead and throw it out there, out in the open, and because football is a team game, I, I can't, as a quarterback, you can't go and just do it and make all the plays by yourself, right, you need the other 10 guys too to, to help you along, and And he went and he put it on those guys, too, and uh, allowed them to take ownership in the game as well. And So I I really like that, man. That's that's, uh, Carson stepping up and, and learning how to become a leader um and to help the
0: football team it's our kroger fresh take with jake Fromm here on dog nation daily here today and speaking of kroger you know we're on the other side of halloween now which means everybody's getting ready for a thanksgiving year coming up And when you think about the turkey or the dressing or those side dishes that go on the table for the big meal coming up in the month of november kroger's got you covered for all of that so if you want to talk to him about getting some meal prepared so you don't have to do the cooking yourself or if you enjoy do the cooking you just want to get great savings on the food that you're going to cook your local kroger's got you covered for all of that so make sure you check them out as we head towards halloween excuse me as we head towards thanksgiving make sure you check out our friends at uh, kroger here today jake let me finish with this here just for a moment you know georgia comes back home on saturday big game against missouri you know missouri's got a nice pretty ranking next to its name only lost one time here this year and playing a really impressive brand of football have you been able to see much of Missouri here this year? And if you have, what have you thought about this team that perhaps somewhat surprisingly but nonetheless kind of stands as arguably the biggest test for Georgia here this year during the SEC East? What do you make of the Tigers here right now?
2: Yeah, I, I wish I had have, have, uh, honestly paid a little yeah. bit more uh, attention to them up until now. You know, it's a team that just kind of snuck up on you, having a really good sneaky season. Um, I just know that – uh uh, in in their building, they felt like they let uh, Georgia get away with one uh, last year uh, when they went up there uh, to play the Tigers, um, and so I know that they they feel like they they got a chance uh, with them this year, and uh, I know they're hungry for a win, and, and they got a lot of uh, momentum rolling, so um, I think this is a team that you just gotta. Hey man, start fast, get out early, uh, and just let these guys know that they can't play with you.
0: If you had a guess, how much do you think the last year, the close game, and the fact that you know, you know, Missouri really had a chance to win that game, how much do you think that factors into Georgia's overall level of motivation for Saturday?
2: Oh, I, I think it'll be huge. I think Kirby will definitely let them know uh, that they uh, they got out physical, uh, they lost in the trenches, they lost the line of scrimmage, uh, and and just just be watching that. Uh, throughout the week if that comes up uh, out of Kirby's mouth um, but I know it'll show up on on Saturday uh, in the way they play.
0: Jake great stuff I always appreciate the conversation thank you for your insight here on UGA we hope you have a a great week and we'll look forward to uh, talking to you soon here on a Kroger Fresh Day right here on Dog Nation Daily.
2: Awesome Brandon thank you.
0: Boy you love having Jake from the former Georgia quarterback on the program thoughts on how Georgia got it done this past Saturday against Florida. And also a nice look ahead to the game against Missouri coming up on Saturday there as well. And speaking of Saturday, getting ready for those tailgate plans. Looking forward to being back around the uh, classic city there once again. And of course, as you're getting ready for all of that, enjoying your tailgate, of course, the thing that you stock in the cooler for that wonderful tailgate celebration. How about our friends at the finished Long Drink? Ready to drink cocktail? You like mixed drinks? Well, the finished long drink is a mixed drink that's already mixed for you it's a mixed drink right in a can now when people see you holding it they may think it's a beer because beer typically comes in the can but this is not that this is a really fun category of beverage known as the ready to drink cocktail and frankly nobody dominates from a flavor standpoint the ready to drink cocktail scene better than the finished long drink because of how good it tastes i'm talking about the original flavors like the traditional and the cranberry the long drink zero, the long drink strong, but also the brand new for a limited time here in the peach state, the peach flavored version of the finished long drink as well. If you haven't tried this yet, it's a great time to do so. Go to thelongdrink.com and you can find out more about this today. That's thelongdrink.com. You can put in your zip code and you can figure out where to pick up some finished long drink here today all right to so wrap up here today yesterday being halloween you might imagine got some halloween themed golden shoe submissions including a blast from the past here now when this was sent to me it was originally animated this is not going to be animated for you it's just a screenshot but nonetheless how about going way back in time for a uh, jeffson telling me from years ago let me show you our golden shoe today first of all uh <laughs> I just looks jeff looks exactly the same i look completely different it's kind of amazing I, I, actually uh but you got the happy halloween graphic there uh uh you got a uh who's that doggy style uh, for uga saying that uh happy uh hey dog nature daily and jeff centel found this oldie hope y'all have a great one and so much love for what y'all do for us dog fans go dogs throwing it back to the old days of uh before the hedges with the halloween graphic in the background jeff and me side by side there uh, happy halloween like 50 pounds heavier in that picture than i am now scary to think about that but nonetheless we'll give you a, a golden shoe out for that and by the way speaking of our gator hater updater lousy stinking gators nothing but bad news to give you here for them a thousand and eighty nine days since florida's beaten george and we're gonna have a good time watching that number keep going up as the year progresses we'll see you tomorrow dog nation daily presented by breda pest management